Welcome to the Transform Your Wealth and Health podcast, where experts in wealth, health, and fitness help transform your life. Here's your host, Andy Arder. Today's guest started his first job at seven, proposed to his beloved wife, Marilyn, at 16, and retired at 24. Then went on to turn a 37 pence investment into over 100 million pounds and wrote a book all about it called The Answer Is Yes. Now, what's the question? I'm delighted to have Neville Wright on the show. Thanks for agreeing to be on the show, Neville. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be with you. Oh, thank you. Neville, would you tell us all about your early life and career? Because I, I read your book, actually, tell a lie, it was on Audible. So I heard your book and I'm absolutely fascinated by your story. Well, as you said, I started working when I was seven years old. <laughs> okay, I've got to ask, what, what was you working as at seven? That was a, uh, a, a milk boy. I, oh, right. My brother was working for the same milkman and he was getting some money and I wanted to do the same. So uh, that started me off really. From there on, I just had a string of jobs and left school at 15 or a bit earlier actually and then carried on working and from one job to another and I'll point out that I'm dyslexic and ADHD and so therefore uh, it was very difficult for me to uh, hold a job down or rather to be interested in the job Uh, after say six months or nine months I knew it all and uh, wanted to move on so I realized uh, after 17 jobs at the age of 24 it was really uh, working for somebody wasn't for me because I uh, say with uh, dyslexia I would run away once I was found out and so therefore I'd got no alternative really but to uh, work for myself. Sure so those circumstances that you were placed in made it quite tough so you must hear people nowadays hear that they've had it tough etc but you you had it quite bad didn't you? Yes because it was like an embarrassment it was it, in those days you didn't know what Lexia was or ADHD and you was just dumb so therefore if you was dumb that you know what could you do about it just to run away and try and find something that you couldn't uh, get found out in yeah so you obviously had an incredible work ethic how did you maintain it in them early days desperation really right uh, in the early days I lived in a 10-foot caravan with my wife and a daughter so the work ethic came from being hungry wanting to uh, have enough money to buy food and uh, of course the next thing is uh, to have shelter and you want something a bit more than a 10-foot caravan and then clothes and and then a bit of spare money and it's so it goes on and on and so that's where the work ethic come from and once you're, you're, you're into it, it doesn't stop because then you see the rewards. And of course, it doesn't stop then. It's a habit. Yeah, I get you. How did you take things forward, Neville? Well, at 24, I had an argument in the Dole office. I wanted uh, a couple of pounds more each week. And they said, the only way you can do that is if you have another child. And I, was, I said, well, I can't afford to feed the one I've got. I'll look after myself. I went from being a beggar in the morning, begging for two pounds extra, to um, chairman of the board in the afternoon. I shot myself in the foot. I got 37 pence. I invested in a piece of scrim, which is a, a yard of cloth, to clean windows. 
borrowed my father's ladder in the afternoon and the next day I went out knocking on doors because that was the only thing I thought I was capable of doing was window cleaning and it all went from there. That's a real success story, Neville. So, I mean, moving things on from being a window cleaner to where you are now, that's an incredible leap. You must have had a, a major amount of problems and, and things that have come along in the meantime. How do you overcome issues and problems on a daily level that you must come up against? Well, the book is called The Answer is Yes, Now What is the Question? Yeah. I got that from the first day of being self-employed in 1974. Because with desperation comes um, a willingness to do anything. And I was willing to do anything as long as it wasn't immoral or illegal in my eyes. But therefore, if people said, would you do a job like clean my gutters out or mend my fence or whatever, the answer was yes. So therefore, the business changed on a daily basis. And it changed for the good because I learned from my father because if I couldn't do a job I would go down the road and uh, ask my father how to do the job the following day so it was great help and then we started doing building work and uh, each day as I say it progressed it was trial and error really it was a big trial really putting a fence up putting a piece of glass in or putting a tile on the roof my father had some books I couldn't read them, but they luckily had a lot of pictures in of uh, how to uh, maintain a house. So that was brilliant, it was. Your window cleaning, you went on to run a maintenance company, and from there you managed to turn it into other ventures. I mean, quite a few other ventures from what I remember from the Audible book. So how did that one lead into the other? Well, it was always by accident and it was a case that the maintenance business was going really well, working for private people and for the uh, local government uh, on schools and recreational parks and things like that. And we needed an office. So my wife said, I'll do the office work in the day in the, instead of working on the building site, which she used to. And we got an office and, and this office was in a row of shops. And we decided it's only going to take three or four hours a day for Marilyn to do the book work and me to see people in there. Mm -hmm. And we decided we've got some space. And what could we do? Could we sell something? And we hadn't got much money. We'd got about three or four hundred pounds at the time saved. And we decided to buy some secondhand prams because we'd had a baby. We'd bought a secondhand pram and a secondhand cot. So we knew everything about that business, or so we thought so. So is that what started Kiddy Care off? Yes, we went out with the, uh, a local newspaper looking at their adverts and went to people's houses at night and bought prams and cots and anything secondhand and started the shop. It was easy because we was leveraging. We was leveraging the office as a shop and an office and was leveraging Marilyn's time of doing the book work in the day and selling the prams. A goal within a goal, really. So two businesses for the price of one. Exactly, yeah. What was it like working with family, Neville? Because a lot of people find it very trying. Well, we needed to work together. We wanted to right from the first day that we met. Two heads together are better than three individual ones. Yeah. We could uh, make things work better. It was great. We loved it and we still do. It was easy. It was. It was a no-brainer. 
because we both had the same needs, same ambitions, same goals, same... It's all right working with family if you are aligned and your goals are the same. got a feeling by listening to the book that everything for you was actually like a trial and tribulation and you did it all together and that's why I was hanging on every word towards the end of your audible book I didn't I didn't want it to end because I kind of knew that you was going to be okay because I knew you'd been successful however I was enjoying the ups and downs there's quite a lot of ups and downs within the book and I knew that you know obviously you came through good in the end however the daily struggles you went through were quite tremendous along the way before you become at least successful as you are. When you build a business and, uh, it's, and it changes every day, mm. the opportunities change for you and also the problems change. So you start off and then you, you're working together and then you employ a person or two, three, and then it gets to 20 and everything changes. And then when you're employing 50, 100 Every day, change every day as new challenges and uh, you need good people around you to cope with those challenges. If you've got a business that's stagnant, you know what's going to happen tomorrow basically. But if you've got a business that's growing into new territories, you never know what's going to happen. So that was the exciting thing about every day. Every day of that 40 years was different. Yeah. Is there any way that the book's helping people nowadays? It is, because the thing is, there's a lot of people that go into business and they trip over, trip up and lose a bit of money and give it up. And then for the rest of their lives saying, I could have been in business, but the bank let me down or somebody didn't pay me or my partner left or whatever. And they're using it for a crutch. And this book, it, it encourages people to have 50-year goals, 40-year, 30-year, 20-year goals. So you don't give up. You just learn how not to make that mistake again. Mm. And um, it gets you over the problems. So the book is helping people uh, in, in many, many ways of business and uh, surviving in business. Am I right in saying you give some of your funds to help out people abroad with your charitable work that you're doing? Given nearly, um, getting on for £30,000. Wow. Yes, they're from the book sales. So uh, it, it helps people start businesses or grow businesses all over the world. How are you doing that, Neville? Um, it's through uh, a, a company called Lend With Care, and that's been going 70 years. I saw it on television, thought, well, that sounds good because it teaches people that um, they can get a loan and it's a free loan, uh, but it teaches people business. They have to pay it back over 24 months. Right. Each month we get probably 900 receipts back and then you give it back to new people. And so you keep recycling it over and over and over again. That's fantastic. They the business and they learn that there's the responsibilities and then they um, employ local people and the economy grows. So it's a really, really good idea. What sort of industries are these people in normally? Oh, usually very practical stuff like farmers with either got chickens or pigs or goat growing potatoes or rice to 
people who are carpenters or people who are making dresses or small shopkeepers. All basic stuff it is, down to earth, practical stuff, what people can do with really out any uh, knowledge. Okay, well, well done for helping those people out, Neville. Might you suggest the number one thing for people listening, if they want to do some entrepreneurial work, what type of thing should they think of first? Something that they love doing. Mm -hmm. Follow your heart. Don't follow the money. And I say that because we've made a lot of money, but we've never thought about it. And, it, and we've been desperate for money, obviously. It's always been a byproduct of helping people, doing the job right, and it's a byproduct. So do something that you're interested in. I, I didn't know what I was interested in for a start. Oh, and I really wasn't interested in window cleaning. I was interested in putting food on the table. So it was a means to an end. It was a thing that I, could, I thought I could do, but one thing leads to another. And then gradually you become interested in something. But if you've got a hobby already, I know um, somebody who's has got a couple of dogs and they wanted a business around taking the kids to school and picking them up. And they decided to walk the next door neighbor's dogs. Um, they have a fairly big business now and they're doing very, very well because they don't only walk about 30 dogs a day, but they, they do dog sitting and it's gone on to cats now. And so they're doing something that they love doing and it works around the family. Brilliant. They'll be employing people to walk dogs before long because that's entrepreneurial <laughs> so what industries do you think you might have got involved in if you were starting again nowadays well i'm a very practical person i like getting on a digger you know on a building site so, so uh, i leave all the uh, bookwork to other people in the office so uh, anything practical really we've done what we've done and we've liked doing it so I, i'm quite happy uh, doing exactly what we've done Right. For people listening, how might you suggest they could get a mindset that similar to what yours is? Well, set your goals and set them high and then you have to go for it because in the long run, you'll get it. But you have to be driven and you have to want things. And without setting goals, there's no want, there's no need. Yeah. If you want to be motivated, you've got to have a goal. All the um, people who play sports you know tennis or cricket or skiing or whatever they want to be the best muhammad ali was always ringing in my ears the things he used to say in the 60s he used to say people used to go to the gym for eight hours and then they used to go home after their exercises and he used to stay and that's when he said the training started not the first eight hours the training started after so it's persistent but it's fun it's, it's fun to be 1% better than anybody else. It's yeah. persistence, it's focus, it's, it's, it's passion, it's wanting. You are competing against yourself. That's a good takeaway there, Neville, that people can learn from. I wonder if you could advise, Neville, for people that are, let's say, listening at the minute and they, they've got their company or they've got their own business and they're looking to move things forward, what might be a tip or a trick that you might give them to move whatever their particular thing is to the next level? Well, we moved our business to the next level all the time. We, we move, I think, seven times in our building. So when we had the baby nursery equipment business, 
each day uh, we strived to be number one salespeople for every company that we bought our products from. So it was a goal of mine that the rep for that company would be the number one rep in their company. So that meant I would have to buy more product off him for him to be number one rep. I never used to tell them. It was just a goal for me. So therefore, I had to sell the product. So I had to devise ways that it would uh, we could sell the product. I describe in the book, on a Saturday night, we used to go to the bank and you could only take £5,000 in a wallet. And we used to put this uh, in the drawer of the outside of the bank. Is this in cash, I take it, Neville, back in those days, yeah? Going back, you know, into the 70s, 80s and 90s. Yeah. That was dangerous, wasn't it? Taking £5,000 cash down the street, even in those days, that's a lot of money. Two people to take 10000 and then it got to three, and then it got to, it, it got to the point of eight people going to... <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I used to count, the, because the, the drawer was big, it was a big heavy metal drawer, and it used to make a bang. So you have to pull the drawer open and it banged, and then put your wallet in and push it, and it banged again. Then you had to open it again to make and close it again to make sure the um, yeah. wallet was in there. Well, I used to count these bangs. It used to take about six seconds to to put five thousand pound in there. And uh, each week, my goal was to hear another set of four bangs. So there's <laughs> five thousand. So you can have any type of goal you want. You can. So that was your achievement in in the week. If if it had more bangs than the week before. Exactly. Yes. And then Marilyn said, "You know, this is getting a bit dangerous. We ought to uh, get security corps." So they came three times a week after that. Did you make them bang the door on the way out, or <laughs> something like that? You? you can make a goal out of anything. You can. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So. Um, you know, that's what I would say. Well, it, it, it depends what people want. If they truly want to uh, uh, build their business, then then um, they probably, one, one of the great things is how will they sell their business and, and what will they, who will they sell it to in the long run? Yeah. yeah, I think you make a lot of money when you sell, don't you, you at the end of the day? You can make a lot of money. We've sold several businesses. We've sold, I think, four kitty cares over, since 1980. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you, you can make a, a, a lot of money selling businesses. Is that key thing for people to look out for, first of all? Think about your exit strategy. Uh, well, um, it it's always should be in the back of your mind because I, I see so many people that they just close the business and retire. And yeah. they go, well, why haven't you sold it? And they go, well, nobody would want to buy it. And uh, say, have you tried selling it? And they go, no, I never thought of it. Mm. yeah worthwhile thinking about i think someone said to me a while back you know most companies will make most of their money when they sell so you have to think about this before you start yeah well we had it both ways which was good because we had a golden goose which was the company that laid i used to describe it as laying a golden egg every day (laughs) (laughs) as long as you feed that golden goose and look after it as a first priority in business so you look after your business first before you look after yourself and that will then generate golden eggs on a daily basis starve the golden goose and it will kill you 
Yeah, I guess now Kitty Care was all the time doing very, very well. But in the background, you you had multiple other companies too, didn't you? There some property companies, if I, I remember rightly. Yes, we had Marble Properties, which started from the window cleaning business in 1974. We still have that, still wow. very strong. Mm -hmm. uh, and we used to buy and sell businesses and, and create businesses and, and, and build. We had a building business in the end that we, mm -hmm. we built a lot of uh, shops. And some we had ourselves, some we rented out. Yeah. Neville, did you do any mentoring at all along the, the way? Or have you just been doing your own thing? Um, mentoring came after selling the last kitty care. Oh, I mean, I always had a, a mouth on me to <laughs> try and help people along the way because I was helped. Who helped you, Neville? Well, it says in the book about somebody who helped me keep the business and um, he's, he talked to me for five minutes after I said I was going to sell the business and walk away from it after the first year because we wasn't making any money he persuaded me within five minutes to uh, to to keep it because he'd seen how hard we'd worked and uh, it changed my mind in five minutes and it changed the business it did so it was a rep who did that and over the years you know people have people have helped us along the way in what they've told us and I hope I've helped a lot of other people in the same way and in 2011 I thought I would start mentoring people which I, uh, I did but I soon realized that a lot of people uh, just want the money they, they don't want to be mentored they don't want to listen to what you've got to say, especially when you say, well, it would probably take 10 years of your life of hard work before you actually become that millionaire that you want to become. And they don't want that. So there's about 2% of people who are really, really interested and will soak up everything you've got to say. And then 98% don't. They don't want it. They're very happy the way they are. There's a few percent that say they want it, but they don't want to make the effort. Uh, so mentoring is for the for food and if yeah. you come along well that's fine but i used to preach to everybody thinking everybody could be a multi-millionaire uh, which they can be but they don't want to be it's going to be a tough struggle and it's not for everybody like you say sometimes the nine to five is the best thing for people you know it's not, it's not for everybody when i left kitty care we had 130 people who was absolutely fine in their job because that's what they wanted I, I find there's no problem with people who want a job and and they love it and they love the atmosphere and they love what they're doing and that's great it's the people who are dissatisfied with their job and want something else but don't want to make the effort to get it yeah so they're in limbo land and they'll always be dissatisfied so self-employment is not for many people unemployment is but it's those people stuck in limbo uh, in between who have a, a great problem with themselves and they you know they beat themselves up all of their life saying they they could have they should have they would have but they didn't do it because blah 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 yeah what's, what's the best thing for them to do do you think neville decide make their mind up and say right i'm either going to be the best at what i do working for somebody or i'm going to um, jump and um and work for myself i think it might be easier nowadays to do what they call like a, a side hustle they call it don't they and if it works out you can turn it into a main job i suppose it's easier nowadays with the internet you can reach out 
so far would have been a lot more difficult back in 1974 to do something on the side and and turn it into something big it was all or nothing i take yeah. it back in them days if you want to know something now you just uh, turn your phone on and ask siri and it, yeah. in in 1974 if you wanted to know uh, where a company was you had to buy all the yellow pages yeah in the country and all the different regions and search through the yellow pages and then you had to phone people or you had to write a letter to them and yeah. and it was like weeks to find a, a supplier of something and now it's minutes yeah i used to make a lot of money from that because people would say oh i need to buy this thing i don't know where to get it from and we'd become the middleman so i've done a lot of middleman work over the years but some you know from really big companies you know you name, you name them i'm likely to have sold them something at some point or another and it was much easier back when i started off back in the 80s it was much easier because they they didn't have your knowledge on particular products they'd phone you up to buy it from you because you had the knowledge now everybody's got the knowledge anyone can get a good price it's available from all around the world you just need to click a button so it then becomes a different world where your specialist and technical knowledge for me at least on my my industry that i've been working in industrial sales and that became much different from how it was but you just have to adapt and move on we we found uh, in 1980 we was making the same amount of money on one deal that took about half an hour uh, mm. as we was in the shop for the week and wow. was, uh, we were selling nappy liners in those days everybody had nappies that you washed you didn't have disposable nappies mm -hmm. the liner inside well we found the manufacturer in Leicester and uh, we used to have a lorry load of liners like 50,000 packs sent to wow. us and this lorry used to turn up and I tried to get an hour before the other people would turn up to buy them so they'd be on the pavement and then uh, the other lorry would come and I'd just be praying that it wouldn't rain because we've got nowhere to put them only on the oh my God. so one day the lorry was late and the people who come to collect them was early and they saw where we was getting them from. Oh, God. So you're right. You know, in those days, you could be a middleman and nobody would know where you get them from. Mm. So that was one of those things. It was good while it lasted. But nowadays, if you wanted nappy liners, you, you just ask Siri and go on the internet and that's it. Job done. Minutes. In seconds. Yeah. It's easier nowadays to start anything. It is. It's got to be the easiest job in the world being a buyer nowadays. That's what I always say, you know. Nowadays, if you want to start a business, you've probably got a thousand different choices. I'd only got one choice. So although it's easier to start a business now, it's more confusing in, in what should you do. Yeah, sure. Just getting down towards the end of the podcast now. Can you tell us how's the best way to get in touch with you, Neville? NW at NevilleWright.com. Okay. Twitter, on Facebook, got a uh, website. You do LinkedIn? LinkedIn, that's right. LinkedIn. Everybody's on LinkedIn. <laughs> A good PA that does it all for me. This is the thing, you see. I've I've got my own PA. He's called Dan, and he's uh, he's actually editing the podcasts and and online magazines. You name it, Dan's the man, as I call him. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. we're going to link everything on the show that we've spoke about your book and also the other things like your websites and your tin contact details. 
and we'll make sure that anybody that wants to get hold of you Neville can do is there anything you want to add before we finish the show not really only um, I think most people would find my book very interesting it's uh, called the answer is yes now what is the question it's 392 pages or you can get it on audio or Kindle and I think uh, most people could make a lot of money from the information it's got in yeah i certainly enjoyed it neville and like you said earlier it's going to help out good causes too so thanks very much neville for your time and if anybody wants to contact you the info will be on the show notes thanks very much neville thank you very much i hope you enjoyed that episode and until next time start transforming your wealth and health now